Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to have you along once again for Texas Ag Today. Well, the weather continues to dominate agricultural news. Of course, all the rain we've gotten over the last couple of months now, triple-digit temperatures in much of the state. We'll take a look at how that is affecting agriculture throughout Texas. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Custom harvesters idle as the Texas Rolling Plains wheat harvest is delayed by wet fields. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. Weather information is of course important to people in agriculture and for people in Texas High Plains agriculture, a vital source of such information is the West Texas Mesonet. I'm James Hunt, and I'll talk about the Mesonet on Texas Ag Today. The Texas Brigade's summer camps are underway across the state. They're polishing the skills of tomorrow's leaders. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll take a closer look on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Areas along the Texas Gulf Coast have received nearly three feet of rain in the last two months. And that's obviously causing plenty of problems. Jessica Domel has more. Recent rains could be harming some crops in hard-hit areas near the Texas coast. The Port Lavaca area has seen more than three feet of rain since April 30th. That's more than half of the area's annual rainfall. Dan Nunley, Calhoun County Farm Bureau president, said the mosquitoes are horrendous right now and are bothering livestock and water standing in some fields may also harm some of the grain sorghum that's been planted, depending on location. The milo is looking very good. It's pollinated. It's in the milk stage, going into milk stage. Some of it is a little later. The earliest is turning pink and looking very good. We're having no problems with aphids yet because we've had rain and sunshine enough to keep them down. No headworms or midge yet. Anticipate that starting any day. The Milo, I think, is hurting from having too much water on it, but I don't think it's going to affect the yield at this point. The thing we need is this to stop because we're reaching the point to where continuous rain will cause the seed to rot or sprout once it goes past the milk stage. How the rain is impacting the corn varies by location as well. Mid-aged corn is just in the milk right now. It looks good. The later corn was hurting more for water before, it, by the end of April, it was hurting pretty badly for water. And it got too much water at the end, and some of that corn is a little yellowish if it didn't drain well. It's taken a pretty good hit. I'm wondering what the yield's going to be on that because I don't think that yield's going to be in the late corn. That was Dan Nunley from Calhoun County. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
Mother Nature has caused several delays in both planting and harvesting on the Texas Rolling Plains. Tom Nicoletti goes to the Wichita Falls area for an update. We go to the Rolling Plains of Texas and uh, catch up with Barry Mahler. Uh, he is reporting for us uh, there today. And, of course, Barry also farms in that area. And, uh, Barry, certainly all this uh, rain that you folks have been receiving in the Rolling Plains has slowed down the planting of spring crops and the harvesting of the winter wheat. Talk about that. Well, it certainly has, Tom. And uh, in this part of the world, in the Rolling Plains in general, uh, rainfall is usually our limiting factor for agriculture. But this year, uh, we've been blessed with uh, record rainfall in May and it continues to be wet and and we just can't get any field work done. So there comes a point when you've got to say, we need some sunshine, but boy, we don't want to say that too loud because we've all lived through a drought or two. It's hard to come again once it goes away. But yes, it's delayed wheat harvest. And that's creating some problems and cotton planters sitting on the turn row need to be running and we need to run. The clock is ticking. About how much rain has fallen over the area? Give us a general sense. Well, we had, uh, I think, over 15 inches in most places in May. And, of course, as you know, that varies a lot from location to location. And then we probably, uh, here in June, with just a few days past, we probably had another uh, three, four, maybe five inches in some places. So it is just extremely wet and uh, just water standing uh, in all the low spots in the fields. When rain falls on ripe wheat, wheat is ready to cut, it hurts it. It washes some of the test weight away by washing the oils off the grain. And if it sits there too long, and stays wet in that head, it'll actually sprout the seed. And boy, then you've got a disaster on your hands when that happens. So farmers have that challenge. And then the other uh, concern they have is uh, in your part of the state, you utilize uh, custom harvesters quite a bit that come in from uh, the northern states to do the work. And so uh, what's the concern there if uh, there's more of a delay? Well, we're generally about to wrap up wheat harvest. We'd be wrapping up by now. And those guys have appointments on up the line. They'll leave here, go to northern Oklahoma or southern Kansas and cut up through there and then all the way on up to the Canadian border through the summer. So they've got commitments to make. And when that wheat gets ready, uh, they, they have to pull out and go to their other customers. And when that happens, it cuts our harvesting capacity way back. And it would put us into what could be a summer long fight to get this wheat out with uh, locally owned machines. So the, the capacity that the custom harvesters bring is tremendous. And uh, if it drifts away, it's going to really put a strain on getting this crop out in any reasonable amount of time. And Barry, the wheat crop this year in your region is a pretty good crop, right? As long as you can try to get it out of the ground. We've been running for a couple of days. I've heard some uh, scattered reports from farmers and it looks good. That is Barry Mahler reporting for us today from the Rolling Plains. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The West Texas Mesonet is a vital source of weather information for farmers and ranchers on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. Whether they're clicking on an app on their smartphone or using whatever device to visit the website, the West Texas Mesonet is for those in local agriculture a very valuable source of weather information. But what exactly is the Mesonet and how did it get started? To find out, I talked with Wes Burgett, operations manager for the West Texas Mesonet. Burgett says it all began back in the late 1990s with the government's decision to close Reese Air Force Base. The Texas Department of Economic Development put in some money and through that Texas Tech got some of that money to help economic development specifically for those that may have lost jobs at Reese. And a portion of those funds helped establish the Mesonet. We're actually 
base that the old Air Force Base. Right now it's called Reese Center. It's about 12 miles west of Lubbock, but it's a handy area to do a lot of research, a lot of wide open spaces with the runways and everything. <laughs> that research Burgett mentioned is focused largely on wind energy, but along with that important function, Texas Tech's creation of the West Texas Mesonet provided a vital resource for those in area agriculture. Before the Mesonet started, there's very few weather stations in West Texas. There are the airport stations at Lubbock, Plainview, Amarillo, and Midland. And then there was the individual farmers that would have their own little weather stations to get weather. But it was a long-time goal of Texas Tech to try and get some type of a coordinated, what we call Mesonet. Mesonet is just a fancy word for a bunch of weather stations fairly close together. But the cost is always prohibitive. And once we got that initial funding, we were able to get the first 35 stations for the Mesonet that built over a couple-year period in, in the year 2000-2001, and from that point we've expanded. All the way to 135 sites and still growing. More about the Mesonet tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Brigade's summer camps are preparing youth to be the next generation of leaders. Gary Joyner tells how. Listen closely this summer around Rising Star, McCoy, Garwood, Santa Ana, Pearsall, and Galveston. You may hear the sound of marching and rhythmic cadences. What you're actually hearing are proclamations of success from 13 to 17-year-olds. They are cadets at Texas Brigade's camps. Many life skills are learned at the camps. Leadership, team building, critical thinking, and communication are among them. I've known and experienced Texas Brigades for over 20 years. I help with television interviews. The young leaders are already passionate communicators. A little encouragement and a few tips are all that's needed to polish their talent and confidence. Strong voices for agriculture, natural resources, and wildlife management are in high demand. If we're not careful, we risk as a state becoming too disconnected from the land and those who care for it. The lessons and experiences from Texas Brigade's camps are bridging those gaps and its cadets march forward to make sure those messages never lose a step. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. The deadline for Texas landowners to sign up for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's Managed Lands Deer Program conservation option is this week. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And with the increase in temperatures, we need to be on the lookout for blooms of blue-green algae in farm ponds. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It is hot all across Texas, and when the heat comes, we need to keep our eye out for blooms of blue-green algae in farm ponds because it can cause us some serious problems. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look. 
Blue-green algae blooms can result in deadly concentrations of cyanotoxins in water that is used for recreation, drinking, and agriculture. These blooms are responsible for severe illness and death in animals and humans worldwide, as 300 elephants in Botswana died due to drinking water from a poisoned pond. The Kansas State Diagnostic Lab indicates the blooms are more severe in the summer and are of longer duration and can occur in brackish, fresh, and salt water, also called red tide. Factors that contribute to algae blooms are heavy nutrient concentration in the soil due to stagnant water and warm water temperature. Many of these algae species float on the water and photosynthesis causes rapid growth and the algae become concentrated in one small area of the pond concentrating the toxins. There are multiple algae involved, but the toxins usually cause liver or nervous system signs. Poisons that affect the liver cause death of liver cells and can lead to vomiting, diarrhea, and abdominal pain. Severe cases will develop weakness, seizure, and death due to liver damage. Algae that lead to nervous system signs cause tremors, seizures, and rapid death in severe cases. Diagnosis is based on clinical history of exposure and testing the water for presence of algal toxins. Treatment of these cases is difficult because many times these animals are very sick or even dead before the problem is diagnosed, and decontamination is of little value due to the time interval between exposure and discovery of the problem. Prevention of poisoning is the key. So monitor your farm ponds and keep animals out of these areas if algae blooms are noted on the surface of your ponds. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The deadline for Texas landowners to sign up for the Managed Lands Deer Program conservation option is this week. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Time is running out for Texas landowners to sign up for the Managed Lands Deer Program's conservation option. The conservation option gives landowners the opportunity to work with a Texas Parks and Wildlife Department biologist on a customized habitat plan and deer harvest recommendations. TPWD uses that information to issue white-tailed deer and or mule deer tags for the property. Alan Kane, TPWD's white-tailed deer program leader, says the program allows landowners liberal bag limits and a longer season in exchange for specific habitat management practices. You have to have two years previous deer population data, two years of previous harvest numbers, and then you have to have conducted two habitat management practices in each of the two preceding years of the year that you're seeking enrollment. And then once you're in the program, you have to conduct, once you're in the conservation option, you have to conduct three habitat management practices every year. Um, deer harvest may count as one of those. And, and I just need to work that out with a biologist. You have to provide current year's deer population data and then report your harvest at the end of the season. And that's what you need to stay in the program. And obviously the fee is is part of that now. The deadline to sign up for the conservation option is Tuesday. For a standalone property, cost is $300 for the first management unit and $30 for each additional management unit. Cost for an aggregate site is $300. A wildlife management cooperative member may enroll for $30 for each additional management unit. You can apply on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Sign up for the MLDP harvest option is open through September 1st. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We kicked off the week with a nice boost in cattle prices on Monday. That was thanks to a big drop in corn prices. We'll take a closer look at our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. 
Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. back looking at another lopsided matchup jim today we have a combine taking on a train yeah that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine no competition there right especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train that's 18 football fields it's no contest every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings see tracks think train this message brought to you by operation lifesaver We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We kicked off the week with a nice jump in cattle prices on Monday, mainly thanks to a big drop in the corn market. We'll start with live cattle. June up 67 cents, 119.37. August live cattle up $1.25, 121.27. The October up $1.02 at 126.80. The feeder market got the biggest boost from the corn market drop. August feeders up 342, 154.60. September feeder cattle up 330 at 156.82. The October up 310. 158.57. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on a Monday. The show list look a bit larger in Nebraska and Colorado this week, but lower in Kansas and here in Texas. Boxed beef prices lower on Monday. Choice down a dollar fifty-three, 336.03. Select down 54 cents at 304.67. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle in the alleyway, it's time to talk to Jody Fry. They sold them in San Angelo on Thursday. Jody, how many noses did you count? Went pretty good. Better than last week. I believe 785 head was today's total. Better quality steers, four to 600 pounds, 125, all the way up to a high of 170, mostly 135 to 155. Six to 800 pound steers, 110, up to a high of near 150, mostly 120 to 140. Better quality heifers, four to 600 pounds, 115, up to a high of near 150, mostly 120 to 135. Slaughter cows averaged to high yielding from 58 to 68. Did have several of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 69 to a high of 79. Had one outstanding Charlotte cow that brought 84. Thinner or lower yielding type cows, still a few of those from 36 to 52. Slaughter bulls averaged to high yielding from 73 to 93. Had several of the highest yielding slaughter bulls from 95 all the way up to a high of 107. Bred cows and bred two-year-olds, a few smaller groups of those on hand today, uh, middle to heavy bred, anywhere from 850 to a high of 1175. Sounds like we're back down to kind of some manageable sheep and goat numbers also. I believe that'll continue. You know, we sold for 11 and a half hours Tuesday, made for a long day, about 7,500 head, I believe was the total. I expect that to continue. Seven to 8,000, we might jump up there one week and, and even have more. Cattle numbers probably looking somewhere in this range from eight to nine hundred head tell everybody how to contact you jody you bet call us there at the office 325-653-3371 my mobile phone would be 234-7895 jody thank you so much and my texas farm and ranch listeners thank you too for listening to walk in the pens a production of the texas farm bureau radio network i'm larry marble good day to you Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close mix. The June contract up 20 cents, 122.87. 
July hogs down $1.75 at $118.22. Class 3 milk was mixed. June milk up two seventeen twenty seven a hundred. July milk down eight cents at seventeen forty five. The cotton market saw a big drop to kick off the week on Monday. We actually hit limit down early in the trading session. We did recover some. However, we finished with triple-digit losses across the board. That big drop we've mentioned in grain prices was the biggest factor that sent the cotton market lower. July cotton down 205 points, 84.95. October cotton down 246, 86.88. December cotton dropped 179 points to close at 86.13 cents a pound. As we mentioned earlier, a big drop in the corn market to kick off the week on Monday, mainly on weather concerns. Now it's hot and dry right now in the northern and western corn belt, but the 8- to 14-day forecast came out today. It shows a broad coverage of rain over much of the corn belt. That was enough to push prices sharply lower. July corn dropping 25 and a quarter, 659 and a quarter. September corn down 31 and a quarter, 598 and a half. December corn down 28 and a half at 581 and a quarter. That pressure in the corn market spilled over into the wheat market, both hard and soft wheat closing lower. July Kansas City wheat down 10 cents, 628 a bushel. July Chicago wheat down six and a quarter, 674 and a half. Rough rice closed lower. July rice down 34 cents, 1250 a hundred weight. September rice down 34 at 12.78. Soybeans sharply lower. November beans down 43 and a half, 13.95 and a quarter. July soybean meal down 9.40 at 3.73.90 a ton. In the energy markets, July natural gas up six cents, 3.36 and a quarter. July crude oil up two at 70.93 a barrel. The financial markets mixed with the Dow down 146 points, 34,333. The Nasdaq up 72 at 14,141. The S&P 500 down one point at 4,246. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then, right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.